Hi, this is Dee, and you're listening to my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. Um, I haven't made a podcast probably in a few weeks, um, I think before, actually the new year. Um, I've had a lot going on, actually. Um, had the anniversary of my dad's death, um, and some other factors, obviously, with the holiday and stuff going on. Um, I know in some of my other podcasts, I have opened up about a few things about myself, and I actually have been, uh just free talking uh, a lot lately. Um, however, in this podcast, I'm going to do a little bit of both of, um, some research and stuff on some things that I'm going through. Um, and probably some things I'm sure other people can probably relate to as well, but, um, I'm also going to just kind of free talk, um, also. So it'll be a little bit of a combination. Um, I printed out some things off of the internet. Um, I've been seeing a doctor as I've talked about before, um, for a lot of my, um, trauma and stuff that I have been through, and I actually had to reschedule a couple of appointments last couple days. I was supposed to go to physical therapy, um, and also see a psychiatrist, um, and talk about my mental, um, trauma that I've been through and some other things I'm going through, but I've also been seeing a doctor, a medical doctor as well, um, been put on a, a few medicines, which I've talked about. Um, I don't have them right in front of me, obviously. Um, <clears throat> one um, is Lamictal. Uh, she put that on for my PTSD um, and also um, bipolar disorder. But I also have OCD as well. Um, and she put me on some depression medicine, obviously with um, the anniversary of my dad's death and the holidays and my grandson's death coming up. <clears throat> um, a lot of factors going on, a lot of triggers. I actually rescheduled my uh, appointment with my um, psychiatrist today. Um, I rescheduled it because, like I said, there's been a lot going on, and I just wasn't in the state of mind to have to deal with any trauma or triggers. Um, and plus, I needed to be here for some stuff that my mother needed as well. But anyway, um, so I might end up splitting this into a few episodes because I really don't want to rush through this. Um, and I say that because it is important to me um, to deal with this, um, my state of mind, I guess, if you will, but also to self-identifying myself and accepting who I am and knowing that just because I've got some trauma going on and some particular I guess, quote-unquote, disorders, if you will, going on. Um, I really don't think they're as uncommon as what people may think they are. Um, <clears throat> at least I would like to believe so. But I first wanted to start off um, in this episode with OCD. And the reason I wanted to start off with this one is because I think this one is really misrepresented and misunderstood. Because anybody says, you know, oh, I got OCD, that basically means people think, I oh, got a severe cleaning problem. And that's not true. That's not exactly true. Um, now, I do have a compulsion about certain things. I color coordinate my clothes. I put my movies in alphabetic order. I put my books by copyright date um, and in sections of categories because I actually just have the big library in my office. Um, before I, I, all the trauma stuff in my house, or my life happened, um, and I lost my whole life. Um, I was really big into books, and the reason why I started 
putting them by copyright date is because there's such a big variety in there, but I had a lot of old books as well. I had my great-grandmother's books, and there was dated back to the 1800s. So there was a lot of different factors on why I did that. Um, and, like, I have certain things certain ways, and my office that I had, you know, I couldn't even leave before my office was totally straightened up in a certain way. I was standing at the door and actually looked to make sure everything was in place all the way down to the stapler being just um, positioned the correct way on my desk. Um, and I could not leave until I do that. And when I go to a restaurant, you know, I would scrape, you know, we'd put all the dishes and stuff. We'd scrape the food and stack it, put everything in order, make sure the table was clean, put it all at the end of the table. Um, you know, and this is something that I, I, I've done. But there's more to OCD than what people think there is. And um, I've heard a lot of people say it's not OCD. It's called putting things back the way, you know, where they belong. And and I just want to clarify that you might be surprised on how many people really have OCD. Um, and I'm going to go over, like I said, I printed this off by the Mayo Clinic, um, which to me I've used a lot when I was in college um, to try to do for like resourcing, but information. And it's got a lot of um, great things um, on their website. So if you haven't checked them out, obviously feel free to do so, Mayo, mayoclinic.com. Um, but I'm going to start off, and I'm going to read this. So um, we're going to read this together, or you're going to listen as I'm reading it. So this is the first time I'm reading it. I mean, I've kind of skimmed through it a little bit, but um, you're going to hear it basically as I'm reading it. Um, so anyway, it starts off with the overview of it. And it says, Obsession Compulsive Disorder, which is OCD, features a pattern of one unwanted thoughts and fears known as obsessions. These obsessions lead you to do repetitive behaviors, also called compulsions. These obsessions and compulsions get in the way of daily activities and cause a lot of distress. Totally me. Um, sometimes I get obsessed with things, and it just really depends on what it is. Um, it says, ultimately, you feel driven to do compulsive acts to ease your stress. Even if you try to ignore or get rid of bothersome thoughts or urges, they keep coming back. This leads you to act uh, based on ritual, this is a vicious cycle of OCD. So sometimes people, I have noticed, like some people I've saw, um, I'm like, I could totally, I, it was really noticeable to me, if you will, that they were OCD. Um, when I worked as a therapist for autistic kids, there was a, a young boy in there, and um, right off the bat, I noticed he was OCD because he was separating the toys by category of what they were and he would get infuriated if we would intervene like they had to go that way for him um and i i've i've saw other people do things excuse me as well that it's just a repetitive thing i know like back when i was younger and i'm gonna admit this stuff because this is me um when i was younger i actually when i would wake up i wouldn't even talk until I knew what word I wanted to start my day with. And then at the end of the day, I would try to remember what word I ended with. And I know that sounds silly, but it, that's just the way I was. I have actually have overcome that, <clears throat> um, but sometimes I got some, what they call ticks. Um, you know, like certain things I'll do with like my throat, um, like making noises or something, or, you know, just different things. Um, <clears throat> just different reactions that I do to try to calm myself um, 
you know, like sometimes I might, uh, I sing a lot. I sing in my head a lot. I sing out loud a lot. Um, things that, you know, I'll talk myself down, try to de-escalate myself when I get stressed out or get triggered. Um, I'll try to breathe, you know, remind myself to breathe through things. I'll just do different things. Um, anyway, it goes on to say OCD offers centers around certain themes, such as being overly fearful of getting contaminated by germs. To ease contamination fears, you may wash your hands over and over again until they are sore and chapped. Now, I don't do that. Uh, I know, I believe Howie Mandel, uh, I think uh, he has um, a very big thing with obviously keeping clean and washing his hand over and over. I think at a point he don't even like to shake people's hand or get close to them. And I could be wrong, but I, I believe that um, I heard something about that a long time ago. Um, but I don't want to put, you know, factors in it. But it is, it is a thing. Um, I don't have that, but I do, um, I do try to keep myself sanitized, um, and, you know, wash my hands and stuff. I've gotten lackadaisal with it for a while just because, um, I think just my trauma and depression I was in, I was just at a point where I just really kind of gave up and, uh, didn't really care anymore. But I have uh, been trying to work on myself and have overcome a lot of things in that direction. Um, it says, if you have OCD, you may be ashamed, embarrassed, or frustrated about the condition, but treatment can be effective. And it says symptoms. Um, OCD usually includes both obsessions and compulsions, but it's also possible to have only obsession symptoms or only have compulsion symptoms. You don't always have both. You may or may not know that your obsessions and your compulsions are beyond reason but they take up a great deal of time, reduce your quality of life, and get in the way of your daily routines and responsibilities. So sometimes people are actually late for things um, because they get caught up in things. Like they get caught up in uh, certain things or, you know, making sure things are a certain way or doing things a certain way or things are um, basically they're obsessed with or they're um, – it's eating at them and they can't break away from it. You know, even so much as a, as your cell phone, people get caught up in their cell phones and they have a hard time putting them down and they're obsessed with them. Um, you know, or even like, um, this certain, you know, things like you might have a favorite of something and maybe you're obsessed with this, a favorite item or something. Um, and you're just very, um, I don't know. It's, it just really depends because um, <clears throat> some things might just also be your favorite. But anyway, um, obsession symptoms, OCD obsessions are lasting and unwanted thoughts that keep coming back or urges and images that are intrusive and cause distress or anxiety. You might try to ignore them or get rid of them by acting based on a ritual. These obsessions usually intrude when you're trying to think of or do other things. So you might be trying to do something, but you can't get certain things out of your mind. And they just keep coming back and keep coming back. And you might, like, think the worst of things. Um, and it's just, it gets to the point where you start having an anxiety attack um, or a panic attack. And you just can't get rid of it. Um, it says, obsessions also often have themes such as fear of contamination or dirt. Doubting and having a hard time dealing with uncertainty. Needing things to be orderly and balanced. That is totally me. Um, I have a very hard time with this one. Because 
I actually, I take care of my mother. Um, but my stuff that I, I've been trying to rebuild my life because I was homeless for a couple of years and I have nowhere to put my things. Um, so my things are scattered and it's very, very overwhelming to me, hugely overwhelming. And people don't realize what that does to a person that has a situation like I do. Um, and sometimes I feel like my stuff is scattered. My life is scattered. And I, I mean, I used to have it to where everything in my house had a certain place and it had to be a certain way. And I had somebody over my house one time and they went over to the television and picked up this picture to look at it and they set it back down. And without even hesitating or thinking or anything, I automatically got up, walked over to the television and positioned that picture the way I had it. And they looked at me and said, oh my goodness, I'd never realized you were that bad. And it's, it's, I used to tell my, you know, my kids, oh, I got to clean the house. You know, and this is basically when I lived in this other city that I lived in. My, my old, my youngest daughter was really, really little. Um, so I know she wouldn't remember this, but my two oldest ones uh, would. Um, but I was like, I got to clean the house. And my son's like, mom, you could like white, white glove your house, <laughs> you know? And it, it, but to me, it was a mess. I needed to clean it again. And I was really obsessed with it. And so when I got with my ex-husband, my and he started remodeling my house and tearing my house apart, everything was everywhere, and it was so overwhelming for me that I finally just gave up. And um, that in itself was uh, a traumatic event for me. And um, anyway, so it goes on to also say aggressive or horrific thoughts about losing control or harming yourself and others. I have, and I admitted this, I have had uh, her, bad uh, thoughts with myself. I have self-harmed myself. Um, I have done things where I, I've talked about my other podcasts, you know, where I was suicidal. I didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. And I was researching different ways um, to basically harm myself. I was a picker. I have scars all over my arms. Um, some people say it looks like I've been burned, like chemical burns or, um, you know, a fire or something. But um, I used to pick up my skin, my face, my chest, my arms. Uh, my chest would be totally bruised up real bad from where I was picking. Um, and I, I couldn't help it. And I had to end up wrapping my arms up with ace bandages um, to keep myself from picking to try to heal. And, um, it, it was a very big deal in my life. And, um, a lot of people didn't and still probably don't understand where I was at and what level, how far I have actually have come, um, into that area where I was, where I have been. Anyway, it goes on to say unwanted thoughts, including aggression or sexual or religious uh, on, I'm sorry, excuse me, let me start over. Unwanted thoughts, including aggression or sexual or religious subjects. Um, examples of obsession symptoms include fear of being contaminated by touching others um, or objects others have touched. So people might be afraid to touch something because somebody else touched it, um, which nowadays with all the you know, stuff that's been going on or whatever, um, that was a big, huge factor, I guess, for everybody for a while. Um, but now I think it's kind of I don't know, not necessarily I want to say calm down, but um, 
I think this is a big thing for um, a lot of people. Um, anyway, it says doubts that you've locked the door or turned off the stove. So you might, you know, think, you know, did I lock the door? Did I turn off the stove? Did I unplug the crayon? Did I turn off the coffee pot? coffee pot and you doubt yourself you know and and stuff um which that could just be a thought of just trying to remember to but some people are obsessed with it um intense stress when objects aren't orderly or facing a certain way that can be me um and living here with my mom my mom has a certain things a certain way um my mother is blind so she has to have things certain ways um, it has her own, I mean, it's her house, so she has her own way. So you take somebody like me who comes in to take care of her and maintain her home. I have certain ways I've had my life that I have to adapt to her ways, and it's very, very overwhelming at times. Um, and if I change something, then it overwhelms her. So I've had to try to adapt for her benefits, which in, in tune has really been stressful for me because I'm used to things a certain way um, on myself. So, um, anyway, images of driving your car into a crowd of people. And I have not had that. <laughs> uh, I have not had that. Um, thoughts about shouting obscenities or not acting the right way in public. I, I not had that, um, Sometimes do I get I'll get caught up in being upset about something and I might just like talk to myself and just keep going on and on about it. But that just might be handling like I don't know my temper. <laughs> um, unpleasant sexual images. Um, staying away from situations that can cause obsessions such as shaking hands. Um, I have no problem shaking somebody's hand. I believe a firm handshake says a lot about somebody. Um, I'm not very a huggy type person. I'm not really big on hugs. Um, now, I, I mean, my grandkids and stuff, of course. Uh, my children, I don't mind hugging my children. Um, but my children, um, my youngest daughter is like, a lot like me. She doesn't like to be touched either. Um, and, then, and of course, you know, People that I've been with in past and relationships with, I don't mind being huggy on them and, and stuff like that. That's a different kind of emotion for me. Um, but as for people, my friends, I'll do like a distant, um, I mean, I'll hug them, but it'd be a distant hug. Like, it won't be all like, you know, touching and stuff. It'd be like a distant air hug, but yet touching hug, if that makes sense. <clears throat> um, so compulsion symptoms. OCD uh, compulsions are repetitive behaviors that you feel driven to. These repetitive behaviors or mental acts are meant to reduce anxiety related to your obsessions or prevent something bad from happening. But taking part in the compulsions brings no pleasure and may offer limited relief from anxiety. So you might try to find things to relieve your stress and your anxiety, but it really doesn't do much. But... I know like sometimes uh, I like to color with my gel pens uh, and stuff and that does help relieve my anxiety sometimes but sometimes I can't even focus to do that. Um, sometimes I like to read but when my mind is going in a million directions it's really hard to focus on that. 
um, maybe like playing an electronic card game or like I like to play cribbage um, I'm self-taught on cribbage but or I'll play spades or I still do Candy Crush every once in a while but it's keeping my mind active um, anything that I have to keep um, exercising my mind if you will helps to relieve a lot of my thoughts that are outside of where they need to be but it doesn't always work it really doesn't but I try um, as with obsessions compulsions usually have themes such as washing and cleaning checking counting ordering following a strict routine or demanding reassurance yeah I mean I can see that um, you know I like to like I do um, clean a lot um, sometimes like especially if something is going on or I've got a lot on my mind I, I do what I call stress cleaning um, and I will like totally clean <laughs> um, so and obviously demanding reassurance that's a common occurrence um, because I have been through so much trauma and abandonment and stuff in my life um, been put down a lot bullied abused um, and sometimes uh, reassurance it goes a long way but it's really hard to uh, for me it's hard to accept a compliment or um, anything positive I guess in my way but I've been trying to work on it because I'm trying to also reassure myself and I've been more demanding a reassurance of myself to myself but that is because I'm trying to also teach myself that I need to replace the negativity that I have endured in my life to try to replace it with positive reassurance if that makes sense because I have I have been my my biggest enemy um, and my biggest uh, ally if you will um, my other parts of me have tried to I guess kind of deal with the negativity and the trauma and other people that have influenced my well-being and my mental state of mind and after a while when people start saying things um, for so long you actually start believing that as your self-identity and I have been working on trying to undo that damage and I have got about 50 years of damage on my life that I'm trying to redirect and it is um, it's an adventure <laughs> um, it's been a journey and I've been trying to do this by myself but I've been trying to identify it um, and trying to embrace who I am and actually in all honesty these podcasts actually help me a lot because I'm not sugarcoating anything and I've been very blunt very honest and very raw if you will on my feelings and my life I mean I have broke down crying several times in many of my podcasts that I have done because this is the real me and I'm not gonna get on here and act like I'm something that I'm not because for one that's not who I am but also too I know that there are more people in this world that have to be like me in some sort of way maybe not identical um, because we all have our different trauma traumas and different way of coping but I really don't think that we are all as different as what we um, think that we are I mean really I really don't believe that but I could be wrong but um, anyway I'm gonna continue on here examples of compulsion symptoms include 
and some of this stuff might be repetitive, but I'm just reading straight from the paper. Hand washing until your skin becomes raw. Checking doors over and over again to make sure they're locked. Now, I <laughs> I have had this problem um, with my camper, and actually I used to do this before, um, where I would do my lock like so many times. And um, I put my key in, and I would like turn it so many times. And that sounds really silly, but it's like I know it's locked, but I'm going to check it again. And I have done that. <clears throat> Checking the stove over and over again to make sure it's off. Some of this is also safety stuff, but some people are compulsive with it. Uh, counting in certain patterns. I have done that. Uh, silently repeating a prayer, word, or phrase. Trying to replace a bad thought with a good thought. That is totally me. Um... Arranging your canned goods to face the same way. Oh my gosh, this is so me, so bad. <sighs> my son, <laughs> when I would go visit him, he would say, Mom, you know, I always can tell when you come over to visit because you straighten my cupboards up. And I have my cans facing a certain way. I have my stuff in a certain order. When I go to, my kids used to laugh at me so bad because I go and I, I straighten up the Walmart shelves when I go. And my kids are like, Mom, <laughs> let the Walmart shelf go. You know, and and I do this. I'll bring things to the front. I'll straighten the cans out, you know, and stuff. And I try to not do that as much as I try to catch myself with that. But this is one big thing for me. And when my mother and I used to own a, a business, we used to have a store and a restaurant combination. And my customers actually used to pick on me. Because I was so anal about um, everything being a certain way on the on the shelves, because you know it's also appearance, you know, re and um, impression. But I had things a certain way, and they actually would go over and turn a can upside down, or they would push something back, um, and they would do this on purpose to me because they they knew how I was, and they would wait to see how long it would take me to go and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes anyway, but this this is a big, this is me 100%. Um, let's see, severity varies. So it says OCD usually begins in the teen or young adult years, but it can start in childhood. Symptoms usually begin over time and tend to vary in how serious they are throughout your life. The types of obsessions and compulsions you have also can change over time, and I have found this true with me. Um, because some things that I have been totally obsessed about before, maybe not so much now, and vice versa. Sometimes, generally, um, things get worse when you're under uh, greater stress, including times of transition and change. OCD usually thought to be a lifelong disorder. It can have mild to moderate symptoms or may be so severe and time-consuming that it becomes disabling. Um... Like sometimes when I have something uh, on my mind or um, it's hard for me not to, um, I guess, say it. I, I, I have a hard time holding things in. And it's not like I'm trying to get the last word. And it might seem that way to some. But I can't, I try to work on it, but I can't always contain myself. And um, sometimes I just, whether it's me talking to myself out loud, 
um, I, you know, in responding to something, this is a very big deal for me. Um, it goes on to say, when to see a doctor. There's a difference between being perfectionist, someone who needs flawless results or performance, and having OCD. OCD thoughts aren't simply excessive worries about real issues in your life or liking to have things clean or arranged in a specific way. If your obsessions and compulsions affect your quality of life, you need to see a doctor or a mental health professional. Um, this is very true because sometimes it can also hinder you um, at your job and um, having things a certain way and, uh, you know, like adapting to the way things are done, say, in your office or your employment. And it's not necessarily – it doesn't really coincide with your your method of how you are. And it's very overwhelming. Um, I know, like, sometimes with me, I always say I don't like people, but I'm a social bug. And, and it may sound a little crazy. I don't like crowds. Um, I get very overwhelmed. But yet, I'm very social, and um, I'm very big on helping people, and I'm very big on trying to be involved on different things. But when my anxiety is so big, I can, like, for instance, I used to go to this karaoke bar, and I've been going there for ages, like ages and ages, and... um when I was going through my severe trauma and stuff, they were having this, um, I think it was around Easter, and they were having this, um, there was a lot of people there. And I went in, and mind you, I knew most everybody in there because I'd been going there for so long. But when I walked in, I had a hard time dealing with everybody being in there. It was very overwhelming to me. And I was going from sitting down, walking around, to going out to my car, get ready to leave, and I'd come back in. I'd do the same thing over and over again. And finally, one of my friends looked at me, and she's like, come here. Sit down next to me. It's okay. We'll just sit down next to me. You'll be all right. And she recognized, and of course, she had known me forever, and she, she knows how I am. But she recognized my anxiety was through the roof. And um, I wasn't being what I guess you could call myself. And I was really fighting uh, myself sitting there because it was so overwhelming. But as the night went on, I didn't really get up out of my seat much, which people that know me know that's a big deal. Because if I'm sitting down, something's wrong. Because I don't usually sit down. I'm up moving around. I love to dance. I love to socialize. You know, play pool, play darts, whatever. Um, but if I'm sitting down and I'm not really socializing with people, there's something going on with me. Um, but she noticed that and she said it, shut me down. And she's like, here, sit down. We'll work through this, you know, together. Don't leave. You know, we'll, we'll do this. Um, but it is a big deal. It really is a big deal. Um, it goes on to say causes. The cause of, of OCD is fully, isn't, I'm sorry, let me show you. The cause of OCD isn't fully understood. Main theories include the biology of it. OCD may be due to changes in your body's natural chemistry, chemistry or brain functions. Genetics. OCD may or may have a genetic component 
but specific genes have yet to be found. So it might be genetic, but they haven't really found any genes yet to be found to be markers for such thing. Uh, learning. Obsession fears and compulsion behaviors can be learned from watching family members or learning them over time. So sometimes, I know in my past, um, I don't want to say like mock, because that's not it, but kind of like, and I say this with respect because it's, it's going to sound creepy, but kind of like uh, imitate or non-intentionally impersonate um, a person's actions um, or their tone of voice or the way they talk. Um, it's kind of like um, unintentionally, um, I don't know how to explain this. Like, okay, like I worked at this one company and the lady that worked there, her husband also worked there. He worked back in the warehouse, and her and I worked in the office. And they had, um, I want to say, Nextels, you know, walkie-talkie Nextels. So this has been a while. <laughs> um, and um, she would talk to him, you know, on the walkie-talkie or whatever thing. And one time I radioed him, and I was talking to him. And I guess I sounded like her and unintentionally um, resembled her voice and the way she spoke and he thought I was actually her and I'm like this this isn't her <laughs> um but it wasn't intentional it's when you're around somebody so long you kind of compliment and um I guess imitate um their actions their behavior and the way that they are I know like they say sometimes when you're married to somebody a certain way you start acting the same and looking the same. Um, I don't know if this is really true because I don't like to think that I don't act like, um, you know, my ex-husbands. <laughs> but anyway, um, and I hope, I really hope I don't look like them. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I find this to be true in some things, though. Um, like my, my kids, for instance, you know, certain actions or things, um, they would act a certain way. And like when I'm in a certain mood, I might actually be kind of like that too. I don't know. It's really kind of hard to explain, but I know it sounds kind of weird, but, um, this is me. <laughs> um, so anyway, risk, risk factors, factors that may rise the risk of causing OCD include family history. Having parents or other family members with a disorder can raise your risk of getting OCD. Stressful life events. If you've gone through a traumatic or stressful event, your risk may increase. This reaction may cause the intrusive thoughts, rituals, and emotional distress seen in OCD. Other mental health disorders. OCD may be related to other mental health disorders such as anxiety, depression, substance abuse, or tick disorders. Um, like I was saying before, I have certain tics. Um, you know, and... Um, I, I can't help them. I try to, I try to recognize it, um, but sometimes I can't help it. Um, complications. Issues due to OCD include excessive time spent taking part in ritual, ritualistic behaviors, health issues such as contact dermatitis from frequent, frequent hand washing over 
hand washing, over washing. Um, even like dishes and stuff, being obsessed with it. Um, you know, or me, <laughs> um, I, I can be obsessed with, uh, cleaning the kitchen. And I say this because, um, I used to be to the point where I was really, really big on it. Like, if any other part of my house was a little a mess, uh, my kitchen had to be clean. Sometimes I'd be up at 3 o'clock in the morning washing my dishes, you know, because I didn't like to go to bed with my dishes in the sink. Now I'm just so overwhelmed with everything. I look at the dishes in the sink going, oh, my goodness. I just can't deal with you right now. But my cabinets and everything will be cleaned several times. I don't care if I've even touched the part that I have, I like I haven't even worked on that area, even touched that area, or even done anything over on that cabinet, I'm I'm wiping it off. I move the things out of the way, wash wash behind it. Now some things I'm kind of like you know I'll go around them. It depends on what it is, but I'll wipe the stove off, wipe the counters out, I'll bring the you know silverware and stuff out of the way, and um and and I do this a lot, um a lot a lot. This is very true for me. Um, let's see. Where were we at? Um, having a hard time going to work or school or taking part in social activities. Troubled relationships. This is me too. Um, because, like I said, OCD is very misunderstood. Um, at least it has been for me. Because when I say oh, I'm OCD, people are like, okay, you know, you just got a cleaning problem but then when they'll come in or something especially like now you know where everything is so upside down for me or when my ex-husband was doing construction in my house you would not think of that of me because it was so tore up you know it's it, like he didn't finish any project he started he gutted my floors all the way down to the dirt like he pulled my floor joists up and the dirt below was exposed. And there was no reason to do it. And he did this in almost every room. Like he would, you know, demolish my walls, tear out my, my, my drywall, tear up my ceiling. Um, and it was like in every room. And he never finished a project. It was so overwhelming to me that I just couldn't, couldn't deal with it. And I know people were probably coming in going, you know, OCD that's a joke but it was so overwhelming for me because before I had met him I was white like white glove clean and so it was a big it was a big deal for me very huge and it was just um, it was overwhelming <laughs> um, and I just finally I gave up because it was like a a losing battle it was a losing battle um, with trying to deal with it because I was trying to keep things organized and cleaned, but I had to end up putting my stuff in storage because he had demolished my house. And in order to save my stuff from getting ruined and tore up, it had to be packed. And so my mainly my youngest daughter, for the most of her life, was all construction. And... Um, I think the only room he didn't touch was her room. And, um, but the rest of the house was like that. And, um, it was just really, really difficult to, uh, live through. It really was. Um, and it goes on poor quality of life. 
thoughts about suicide and behavior related to suicide. Like I said before, I have been here. Um, in my other podcasts, I talked about this tremendously um, because it is a big deal. And um, if anybody, obviously I want to put this in here, if anybody is going through any bouts of suicide, um, and I'm going to say this with respect, okay? I say reach out for help. I really do. They have a suicide uh, hotline, 988. But I also know, also too, it's not always easy to do. And people say, oh, you know, you need to reach out to somebody. You need to call me if you get to feeling like this. You need to do this, that, and the other. It's not so easy. When you get in that frame of mind, you're in another dimension. Um, You're in another uh, area of yourself that is not always retrievable. And some things are not so easy to get through. Not so easy to help yourself understand let alone somebody else and then you feel like um you know like for me instance I didn't never really I never talked to anybody about my suicidal thoughts or the things that I was looking up or the things I was doing to myself um you know and uh, I had a best friend that committed suicide and um it's (sighs) It's a whole different level. You know, when I was going through my trauma and stuff of my grandson dying and some other stuff in my life, trying to reach out to people to help them understand um, where my mental state of mind was, was very difficult because I didn't even understand where it was. And I didn't have the the right family support, uh, if you will, on a lot of people in my family and in fact they actually made it worse for me and um it's it's something that I have been working with and overcoming but you know when when you're going through something it's not so easy to talk about it and it's not so easy to find the right kind of person that you are confident to expose yourself to in that manner. Because there are many people that don't understand um, because they have not necessarily reached that depth of darkness. And until you look that deeply at the abyss of that level of the darkness that you carry, you really don't understand if you will respectfully that level and many people are so quick to pass judgment on people and talk about people and misrepresent them and be opinionated about them than trying to understand comfort and basically just keep your opinion to yourself on things that you don't know, but be a supportive person on the person that you're supposed to care about. So instead, you know, I always have the same. If people would be less judgmental and more understanding, our world would be a way better place to be and live. Um, because too many people are so quick for drama and, and, and stuff. It's ridiculous. And 
people are so more apt to want to hear all the bad negative things that, you know, it's, it seems to take over more in the world than the good things that actually happen. There are so many beautiful things that happen in this world. And there's so many beautiful people in this world that do so many good things. And people would rather be nothing but drama and um, trolls and instigate than to try to understand somebody else's perspective. Even if they don't get it, who are they to be that way? And basically rub salt in the, in the person that they care about in their wounds and makes it worse. And so instead of being understanding and compassionate or even just keeping your mouth quiet and just being an ear or not even saying anything, just being supportive, you know, message them just to check up on them, say, you know, I hope you're doing well or send them a positive vibe or something. But when somebody's going through grief or trauma, judging them or thinking, you know, that they need to just get over it or they're on a pity party or I try to reach out to them, um, but, you know, they don't call me back or they're not responding, you know, I don't know what their problem is. You don't understand. It's not about you. It's about what they're going through. And if you don't go through that level, then please don't be opinionated by it. Because you have no right to be. Because it's not always about you. And if you care about this person, you would care more about trying to understand where they're at mentally and trying to ensure them and reassure them that their feelings matter, their emotions matter, and their thoughts and their um, reflection of whatever they're dealing with matter. Because sometimes when somebody feels like they have nobody, then they feel like they're better off not being here. Because nobody would care anyway. Because nobody cares enough to care enough. And that's a big deal. I am a huge 100% product of that. And um, I know for a fact in my level, this is a real thing. And um, I've come a long way. But that doesn't mean that there won't be something in my life that would tr trigger me. And there won't, that doesn't mean that I won't never find my place again in a darkness. And that doesn't mean that other people are going to find strength to get where I'm at today and be in my direction of healing. And that doesn't mean anybody else has the right to be any less than compassionate and understanding on somebody they're supposed to care about. And that's a hard thing to swallow. It really is. 
And if you are suffering in any way, my heart goes out to you so deeply. But I can, I'm going to, let me rephrase this. I'm going to put this out there and try to reassure you in the best way that I can. There are not, there are not enough answers to questions you don't understand. And there are not always questions that you need to find answers for. And that might sound confusing, but sometimes we get so caught up on trying to deal with our feelings on certain things that we don't know where to put our feelings. And trying to always be the strong one, trying always to um, people please, if you will, reaching out to people and, and thinking, um, you know, or feeling, and, and sometimes actually justifiable, um, and nobody wants to hear it. Nobody understands where you're at. Nobody gets it. Um, I have this new saying that I say. I used to say, oh, I understand. I understand. But I've changed that. Now I say, when somebody says something, and, and, and I'm going to say, if I do understand uh, the level that they're at, I don't say, oh, I understand that. Now I say, I understand that emotion. Because although my trauma is different than other people's, the darkness and the grief and the abyss of, of that level, of being at that point in time in my mental state of mind, is the same emotion. When you are uh, suicidal, when you are at a place of being lost in your head and uh, driving yourself in directions that are um, very hard to find your way back from, you're at a level that um, that I I understand that emotion. Everybody handles things differently. Everybody reacts differently. Everybody has um, stress relief and um, ways of coping differently. Some people self-medicate. Um, and I say self-medicate, and that doesn't actually mean drugs and alcohol. You can self-medicate by being a compulsive shopper. You can be a shoplifter. Um, you could be obsessed with, um, you know, bulimia or, uh, you know, eating too much or I mean there's a variety of different things that you can be obsessed with um, of self-medicating um, so it's not just all about alcohol and drugs of self-medicating and this is a big deal a misrepresentation because people are so quick to want to automatically judge and uh, automatically say drugs and alcohol is the go-to of the reason why but when people self-medicate there is a core reason of the root of the problem of why they do it's and someone isn't going to get up and say one day oh i think today i'm going to be a drug addict drug addict or Ooh, today i think being an alcoholic sounds amazing i think i'm going to do that today or i think today i'm just going to go and steal or i'm going to go and um, buy everything up on the shore and not even know why i'm even buying this stuff because maybe i'm buying 
things that have nothing to do with me at all. Like I'm buying kid clothes or I'm buying, you know, board clothes and I don't maybe I don't have a kid or, you know, I'm buying things that I'm, I don't even know where they're going to go because I have no need for them, you know, and you're just over shopping. Nobody gets up and says that. I don't believe. But there's a reason and a core reason of a root of the problem of why. And I, I've heard people say, like, say for instance, somebody gets in a car accident. And I know this is, this is a different subject, but this is an example of what I mean. So if somebody say hypothetically is in a car accident. I have actually saw this posted before on the lovely Facebook. Um, and one of the comments was, uh, were they on drugs or alcohol? Drugs or alcohol has to be a factor. Accidents happen, people. Accidents happen. Doesn't need to be drug and alcohol related. And if it was, what's that got to do with the incident at hand? I mean, it does, but it doesn't. And I'm not going to, and I'm being, let me rephrase that. I'm not trying to be insensitive on people that have been victims of some sort of way for this has been a factor. And I apologize if it comes across that way. But it's not always about that. That's not. That's not the answer to everything. And I'm not saying it isn't an issue because it is. It's a very big factor in this world. Huge factor. There's a lot of people that are overdosing. Um, and a lot of people that are self-medicating on drugs and alcohol. And it is a big factor. Um, you know, I've said that in my other podcast before. You know, fentanyl and even like the Skittles party where people are taking uh, prescription drugs or non-prescription drugs over the counter, putting them in a bowl and just grabbing handfuls and taking them and playing Russian roulette with their lives. And this is a thing. It really is. And my point is there's a reason behind it. And that is what's scary. And what even hurts the worst is that this is such a sensitive subject, and and I respect, I respect it because I have had people in my life that have been affected um, by this situation, and um, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be uh, insensitive on that at all, and I apologize if it's coming across that way. My point is. People self-medicate for reasons. And if we don't take the time to be more compassionate, um, less judgmental, more knowledgeable, more reassuring, the list goes on and on. But be less judgmental, less, uh, less condescending, less uh, you know of pointing blame and I and I it's, it's, like I said this is kind of a, a fine line it really is um, because there's both sides and it is a big factor but if you are suffering in any way on anything that you're going through uh, with your mentality level Please know that there is ways to get help. And I know that it is easier said than done. But 
It is doable. It is doable. I am living proof of that. It is doable. And my heart totally goes out to you. And I pray so hard that you find a way to find your inner being of trying to teach yourself that you matter. That you're worth fighting for. And reach out to 988. Um, they are very trained and skilled professionals that um, can help you. They can redirect you somewhere. They will talk to you. Um, have a go-to person that you trust that maybe knows and understands some of the level of the trauma and stuff behind uh, what you've been going through. Um, or even one of your um, um, self-medicating friends, if you will, respectfully, that may be at the level that you are in a different direction. Maybe together you guys can combine together to try to help each other get better and be each other's support systems. Um, you know, they have sponsorships out there, people that sponsor people to be their go-to. There are different options. Um, just know that um, you're not alone. Even though you could be in a room full of people and feel totally alone, or be in a room of people dressed up like chairs and feel totally, you know, like there's imaginary friends there. Um, it's still something to you. And even if it's not real to somebody else, it's real to you. And if you are going through that, please understand the best that you can that you're not a freak. You're not worthless. You're not, um, you're not a piece of poo. Your feelings are justified. Your feelings matter. And you are worth fighting for. You are worth getting help. You are worth being here. And the world is a better place with you in it. Even if you take your experience and put it towards helping someone else and teaching someone else to overcome where they're at. To help you, I guess, help them to understand that there is hope. There is hope in the world to get to that point in life that you can change somebody's life by simply being here. And um, even though there's, you know, an OCD, there's, there's no sure way to prevent it. There isn't. Um, and your OCD can get worse. It can disrupt your activities, your daily life. Um, but know that there are ways. There Sometimes it is a chemical imbalance too. Um, that doesn't mean that you need to give up on yourself. And I hope that, um, I hope that if you are at a point in your life that you're feeling this way, that you recognize it um, in a positive direction. And um, I don't really know how else to say it. I 
like I said, it's really a fine line. It really is. But please know there is help out there. And anybody that um, doesn't understand, like I said before, please don't be so judgmental. If the, sh the, if the shoes were flipped, what would you want done for you? How do you think you would handle it? It's just like with my grandson dying. People say, oh, I understand. Um, you know, but no, no, you don't. Now, maybe you've had lost your grandchild and, and everything. But the situation that I'm at is different. You might understand the emotion. But everybody's situation is different. And, um, and maybe that's playing with words. But to me, it's not. Because... I've said before, there's pain and sadness, and then there's grief. And to me, grief is love with nowhere to go. And sadness and pain are a totally different ballpark to me than grief any day. And um, it's, um, it's a dark place. It really is. And I have, I have learned in my life, in my trauma, that I, and I've, I've said this to my mom several times after losing my dad, um, try to try. And sometimes you have to try to try to try. And I say this because you're not always going to be able to do something. Uh, you might not be able to get out of bed. You might not be able to get a, um, a, a project, um, you know, or clean, or even take a shower. But if you try, just try something. And even if you don't fully succeed, you tried. And the next time, try again. Try a little bit further. And eventually, you're going to be able to try a little bit more and more. But sometimes, just being able to try to try is a big deal. And sometimes you have to push yourself. And I say try to try to try. Because sometimes just opening your eyes for the day is an accomplishment. It really is. Um, I have made myself sleep five days in a row before because I did not want to do something I didn't want to do. Because my feelings were so overwhelming. It's a true thing. It exists. It's real. Um, the second thing I learned was um, breathe. Normal breath, yes, please breathe. <laughs> but breathe through your anxiety. Try to find coping mechanisms that help you. I do the 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 a lot. Um, some people have different methods. Um, and sometimes when my thoughts get very overwhelming, I'll start to sing in my head, even if it's the alphabet. Um, or I'll start counting um, in my head or out loud. Um, I'll sing songs. Um, I'll write poetry. Um, or not really. The poetry is, is, is something different. But um, I try to breathe through the moment um, and try to breathe it out. Deep breaths. Don't breathe too fast, though. You're getting your uh, hyperventilate. Um, but try to breathe through your anxiety and your panic attack. 
I have had them several times even driving down the road um, where I just uh, was freaking out. <laughs> um, and I was just overwhelmed. I couldn't contain it. My heart was racing. And I was just uh, so scattered. It was so overwhelming. And sometimes I'd have to roll my window down um, just to put the cold air in my face. Um, crying so hard that I couldn't even see the drive, which is not safe um, at all. But I tried to calm myself down. I have tried to remind myself to pull over. Um, if possible, slow down, um, try to, I do the five, four, three, two, one, try to, you know, cope with it and breathe through it, calm myself down, try to find a happy focal point, um, whatever it may be. Third and most important thing I wish I had known in the beginning of my, uh, process of my grief and everything I was going through, um, was try to find a place to put your feelings, find a place to put your feelings it's very important if you don't find a place to put your feelings it's going to consume you and it could be the death of you and that's kind of where I do my instead some people journal I write poetry I posted some of my poetry and some of my podcasts um, and have read some um, or like I do a lot for the homeless uh, I do a lot for people um, I do my podcast um, I try to, um, you know, I, I color, I'll draw, I do crafting. Um, I try to find a place to put my feelings and my emotions to distract me, but also to get them out. I know poetry um, has been a big thing for me. Um, and most of my poems are actually really sad um, because it is a lot of my emotions. It is a lot of um, how I feel. Um, and I can knock a poem out in probably five minutes, maybe, easily. Um, but I've always been good um, with my words, except when I try to, well, not that's not always true. Because sometimes when I try to explain things to my, my kids or um, somebody that I love or, or something, it depends on the situation. I have a hard time explaining it to where my feelings are put um, in a correct, correct manner that it gets across what I'm really trying to say. But when I'm trying to explain, I'm very good with, um, like I can write an essay. Um, you know, I just do research papers and, and college and stuff. And I can knock one out in a day, easily. Um, with, you know, and, and cite my resources and everything. I've never had a problem with writing. Um, it's just, some, I have a problem with expressing myself in a manner that, comes across um, descriptive enough in a positive direction and, and actually representing my true feelings but also representing on what I understand the person that I'm talking to. Um, I don't go out of my way to hurt anybody or um, be aggressive on anybody that way. It, but sometimes it comes may come across that way. Or if I do understand somebody's emotional feeling on certain things or I can relate to a, a subject um, it might sound like I'm coming across and trying to always turn the subject on me and I, I know I've come across that way a lot and that's never been my intention sometimes um, I try to 
uh, I guess try to put it to where I can relate to where they're at and try to give let them know that they're not alone and I, I can relate to it but it doesn't always come across that way and um, I've been trying to work on that but anyway um, I hope some of this has helped I am going to break this up into different segments because I I have been diagnosed um, um, with OCD um, I was on the borderline of bipolar but now uh, my bipolar has been kicked in full force uh, with additional trauma in my life um, and just different things in my life um, and I also have major PTSD and I have um, as they classify it I'm mentally fragile um, with my depression um, but this I'm, I'm kind of trying to do a self-identity check um, with respect if you will on myself and um, I hope that in doing so that it can also help other people and even if my situation is not like your yours um, or maybe you don't have all these symptoms with OCD and these other ones that I'm going to do in my other podcasts um, just understand that regardless of what you're going through and whatever trauma and mental um, pain that you are feeling your self-identification of yourself is just as important as anybody else's and we should not have to feel like we are ashamed of who we are based off of the traumatic events in our lives that have taken place whether intentionally or unintentionally we have been uh, factors of it uh, we all are still victims um, and coping because life is not handed with an instruction manual and we are not always made making the right decisions but yet we are not always handed the right tools and unfortunately it is a repercussion on our outcome of ourselves and our daily lives the way we think the way we respond and also what we also continue to pass down to other people and um, you're not perfect don't try to be perfect but don't damn yourself either and um, I have the utmost respect and um, I am very proud of you even if I don't know you I want to say I'm very proud of you because just opening your eyes and taking a breath today sometimes is the biggest deal to do and if you have not tried at anything else today but have accomplished that I applaud you because people don't make it that far so please remember that if nobody else has told you that for a while or ever please know that I am proud of you because that is a big deal and to everybody that has taken the time out to listen to me I want to thank you for your time because I always say there's one thing in your life that you can give somebody that is priceless that you can never get back and that is your time and if you had taken the time out to give it to me to listen to me thank you very much I appreciate that more than you will ever probably understand I do not know who is always at the 
I do not know who is on the other end of my podcast because I cannot see you. I sit here and I look at my computer with squiggly lines. Um, so I say this candidly, candidly, <laughs> excuse me, um, to the world. And I am not hiding it. I'm not sugarcoating it. This is me. This is my self-identification. This is me accepting who I am, trying to work through what I am, but also knowing that I matter. And knowing that I do make a difference by being in this world. Even if it's just to me, to you. That is priceless. So, I hope you enjoyed my podcast. I hope you got something out of it positive. Please check out my other podcasts too. I forget what number of podcasts I'm on. I think I'm in my 20-something now. Um, I do have a couple more that I'm going to do. I need to go check on my mother. I don't know if I'm going to do them tonight or not. Um, Obviously, you wouldn't know that. Um, (laughs) But um, I hope everybody had a great new year. Um, And um, not necessarily making New Year resolution uh, because... You don't need to make. You don't need to wait for a new year to start something new with yourself. Each time you take a breath, it's a new opportunity to live again. So um, you don't need a special occasion to be special. Just remember that, please. I pray for you wholeheartedly, and I appreciate every single one of you. Um, with that, I will end this, and I hope everybody has a safe and beautiful night. Um, don't hesitate um, to reach out to somebody, but also to don't feel like a freak um, in self-identifying yourself. Learn who you are, embrace who you are, and wear who you are like the boss that you are to yourself because it has to come from you it has to be uh, for you before it can be anything else you can't be a wife, a husband uh, a mother, a father uh, a grandparent a child or, or whatever before you can be you and if you don't know who you are it's hard to be everything else so please note that you are important Even if you don't always feel important to yourself, I promise you, there are people that will miss you. So please hang on to whatever you can to find something positive in everything that makes you hurt. And take take positive things to help overcome the negative. And let them be more amplified than the negative things that you play over and over. I have been trying to do that, and um, this is where I'm at. So, anyway, before I start rambling some more, because I do that, um, I thank you again for joining me in my podcast, and um, I hope everybody has a safe and blessed night. Thank you.